Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. That is Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, fellow adoptive mom on this journey with you. This episode is our fourth foster care focused series for the month of May, National Foster Care Month. And we have another amazing guest with us today. But first, I'd like to remind you that we are changing the name of this podcast to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. As I mentioned back in episode 320, we started as a radio program about seven years ago. We've been a podcast for, I think, about three years. And now that we know who our intentional listeners are, they are folks like probably you and like me, adoptive foster kinship parents who are tuning in um, for that support and for that encouragement. And we realized it's hard for people to find us with a name like Orphans No More because you'd have to search orphan, right, in order for it to come up. So we want to make sure that everybody who needs to find us can find us. So as of June 1st, 2022, just a couple episodes away, we will be appearing in your podcast lineup with the new name, The Adoption and Foster Care Journey. It's the same show, the same content, the same format, the same host, me, yours truly. We're on the same mission to serve and support you on this journey. Um, So we hope that you'll continue listening. If you're already a subscriber, you won't have to do anything, but you'll notice the name change. Just know that it is still us. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go ahead and subscribe today. When you subscribe and when you leave a star review, it signals to the algorithm that this show is relevant and it's important and people need to find it. And we want all adoptive foster and kinship caregivers to find this show because we believe it is a vital resource. So um, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and be on the lookout for the new name, right? Um, And if you If you have a question, if you want to reach out, if you want to connect, um, you know, if you have a suggestion for who we might interview, a topic that you want to cover, or maybe you just have some questions because you're on this journey and you're not really sure what to do as the school year is winding down. Are your kids really struggling? Um, You know, what kind of services and supports should they be getting? Uh, Maybe homeschooling is an accommodation that you're going to need to make or whatever, whatever your questions are, whatever it pertains to. Um, if you're on this journey and you have a question, um, you know, with I've got over 30 years of parenting experience, 22 of those years are with uh, uh, through kids through adoption. So I, I get the trauma, I get the, you know, prenatal exposure to substances, I get the challenges, um, the things through the seasons that we deal with as parents. So please feel free to reach out. Uh, we can connect. You can reach me directly by email. My email is Sandra Flack, 
jfo at gmail.com. You can also reach me through our ministry's website, justicefororphansny.org. And this podcast is really a media extension of our ministry, uh, which is really to be a support to inspire, educate, and equip um, the body of Christ to engage in this space of adoption, foster care, kinship care, um, and then find the support that you need for the journey once you've done that. So we're here for you and we love to hear from you. So stay tuned to the end of this show as I have an announcement sharing about some new resources we're going to be offering. Our website is going through a whole new update um, and we're going to you're going to find it user friendly where you're going to really be able to find the resources that you need um, and really understand who we are and what we do. So um, um, stay tuned to the end. I'll talk more about that. But now to our guest, I'm so excited to have Helen Richardson on the show today. Helen is a former foster youth who now works as a foster and adoption advocate at Focus on the Family. She and her husband, Nate, are also foster parents. Please welcome Helen Richardson. Hey, Helen. Hi, Sandra. Thank you for being on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be with you, Sandra. And I'm thrilled. I want my listeners to hear your story. I know that they'll be so inspired um, by your story. Um, I see you all the time on the Wait No More social media pages and doing amazing foster care advocacy work. Um, So now you're here on the show and I get to share you with everybody else. So let's start from the beginning of your foster care journey, which actually began when you were a child in the foster care system. So Helen, would you share what you remember about that time? You know, I don't have a lot of memories of that time. Most of my knowledge from my early years come from um, what people have shared with me and child welfare records. So I know that as a very young child, toddler, infant age, uh, myself and my older sister were, were removed from our parents' care and entered foster care. Um, And that continued on, honestly, for me, for the rest of my life until I aged out. And those early years, we bounced between being in care and being in our parents' care. Um, But unfortunately, when I was three years old, my father had an accident and died from complications, which left my mom as a single mom really struggling. They've been both struggling, obviously, to make poor life choices and not have resources to help them, um, struggled with alcohol and other things going on. And so as she was a single parent, things continued to be bad for us. And we were in foster care again. And then when I was six years old, my mom passed away from a massive heart attack. And that's when things really changed for us. Um, At that point, we started kinship care with my mother's biological family, um, moved across the country and got situated with them. There was shortly after that a time where my sister and I were split up. She chose to go live with a foster family, which continued to be her support and still are to this day. That was the path that God laid for her and what she really needed. Um, And that's what's worked for her. For me, I stayed with my kinship family. Some of them were good, some of them were nice and it was safe, others were not. And sadly there was abusive homes that I was in. Um, That was a struggle as a young person. And so through high school, uh, I was in a place where it wasn't really safe to be home. I spent as much time as I could away and trying to just excel and find ways to be safe and get out of the home. And so when I turned 18, it was kind of a joint decision. They're like, yeah, this is too much for us. And I didn't want to be there. So I went on my own and finished my senior year, staying with friends and couch surfing and 
went on my my way my way into adulthood. Wow. So and you went into adulthood. Um, I know you went on to college, which isn't always, um, you know, a, a step that most kids in foster care actually take. So how did you do in school? Was that sort of your safe place and you were focusing on studies? Um, you know, because I know a lot of times par- parents like me, those teenage years are super hard and a lot of times there are struggles at school. Um, how did you do in, in school and, and how did that affect your next steps? Well, in school, I had always up till that point, I'd always excelled. I had done well. Um, part of who I am and I think because of my circumstances, it was a safe place where I could go and I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed applying myself. I enjoyed the praise and the safety of getting um, good good grades and learning. Uh, when I went to college, I started out strong and then without having any support system in my life and really not getting much healing from the trauma and not understanding how the world works or having good interpersonal relationships, I just, I just crashed. I would battle a depression. And so I just wouldn't get out of bed and wouldn't go to class, which adds up. And then I would want to get intimidated and I want to hide from things. Um, unfortunately, I chose bad life choices as we call them in our house and chose drugs and alcohol and inappropriate relationships with men. And it just all spiraled. And there was at one point where it was so dark the only way out was going to be something I could not understand. And that's exactly, uh, I, looking back, I can see God in my life completely, all of it from the very beginning, early ages. And it was in that dark moment in my early twenties where I thought in my logical brain, I was like, oh, what I need to fix all of this is family. And so I reached out to my biological father's family and found them. I found them and then reached out and then at that same time, God had placed this young, wonderful young woman um, in my sphere, and she was part of an ecumenical community at the university, and started inviting me and going to these things. He was planting the seeds and softening my heart so that when I finally met my, my father's family, found out they're Christians, my first reaction was, oh, they're crazy Christians. I'm, I'm cooler than that as a Big Ten student in the Midwest. I'm good than that. Uh, but I spent a week with them, and it was a week where they welcomed me with open arms. They learned about my past. They didn't push me away. They didn't judge me for it. And there was something different about them. And I, at the end of the week, I wanted that difference. And God was working in my heart and I was sitting in a room and he gave me the scripture and I didn't know about the Bible. I walked out and I said, does this mean something to you guys? And it was first Corinthians. And so they gave me a Bible and went back and I got this verse and I came out. I'm like, I, I think I need to give my life to the Lord. Like, what do I do? And I, I don't think I used those words because I didn't understand those words. And I said, I think I need God. How do I do this? And in their kitchen, I gave my life to the Lord. And it was the transforming power of what I needed. It didn't fix things automatically. I'm by no means perfect. No one is. <laughs> but it was the healing that I need of welcoming God into my life um, and starting the redemption process and the healing process for all of the years before that. Wow, incredible, incredible journey. Um, so what happened? So you, you finished college with Phyllis in on the on the gaps, because I know where you are now, but let's get us get us to, yeah. to where you are now. Yeah. So I didn't finish college as much as I really tried. You officially cannot get a degree in partying. 
Um, and I was really at a crossroads of, do I stay where I'm at in the environment where I don't have structure and family? And I struggled after I went back and meeting my family and giving my life of having both worlds. So I made a decision to move across the country, be in them, step back from university for a little bit. Um, I went to a Bible college for two years and really just deep dived into God and the Bible. Um, worked. I went overseas for a couple of years. I came back, really started to just continue growing in the Lord. Uh, and then close to seven years ago, uh, God brought me to Colorado, back to Colorado Springs and brought me to focus on the family. Um, and through a series of events brought me into my role at focus as the manager of foster care and adoption and being able to partner my life skills where I did go back to school and finish my undergrad and went on to master's degrees and grew in that and match those, those skills and career, in, which I never thought was possible without a social degree to speak into and be an advocate for kids and family. Wow. So that's an incredible journey. So you've been, you've been with Focus on the Family for, for seven years. You're helping foster families. I know you get to work with the amazing Dr. Sharon Ford. So that's, I'm sure, an honor and a privilege. Uh, and then along the way, you met your husband, Nate. So tell us about that. Yeah, I met Nate. I broke all of my rules when I met my husband. Um, I said I would never date somebody I work with, and he works at Focus. And I had a second rule on top of that, never date somebody from Focus. And then through a series of bad blind dates, I had to make a rule of never date someone who lives in their parents' basement. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> but... We were set up, it was a blind date. I'd kind of been at this crossroads and was just kind of going open it to be in a place of saying yes to God and being open to things. And we sat down the first date and I said, nice to meet you. Why do you live, tell me about yourself. And he's like, well, I live in my parents' basement. Like, well, tell me about that. I leaned back and they told me this amazing story of how God had worked in his life and care, moving out to take care of his fam family and realizing he was in that space. and. They travel so much, ended up, he wasn't moving out and just kind of being in the house. So it wasn't really living in a basement like some of my bad blind dates before. <laughs> so he definitely got hit the check marks there. And then I leaned in, I'm like, okay, so that's great, but you should probably know this about me. I grew up in foster care. This has always been a part of me. It's my job now, which he knew. I said, but moving forward, whatever life I have, single or married, foster care and adoption is going to be a part of that. So it's really important to me. And that feel like, beyond Jesus, that's the next big thing. How do you feel about that? And they said, well, I don't know a lot about it. So share with me. And I did. And then we still, he wanted to go on a second date. So we <laughs> kept going. And a few months later, we were married and it's been amazing to watch God work in his heart because I never wanted to push him into this. I wanted God to really show him and make sure that he is leading our family. And so shortly after we were married, he's like, well, you know, I thought we had talked about a couple of years, but I think we should get started now on the paperwork and everything. Cause that's going to take a while. And then a couple months later, well, you know, since we're starting the paperwork, let's start our training. And then, you know, I'm talking about, we're talking about the kids that we're going to be open to. What about sibling groups and then older kids, all the things that had been on my heart that I had not expressed, but we're praying about the Lord just opened and brought us together. And that's been able to be our focus as a fostering. Um, and it's just been so amazing watching God work, orchestrate that and show us his glory um, through that process. That's incredible. I love how God does that because now you and Nate are licensed foster parents and you have at least one child in your home, I know. So how is that going? How many children have you fostered? Give us a, 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 
a, down, a downplay or a play out of that? Yeah, so we currently have a young person in our home while 10 years old, sometimes acts like they're 25 and sometimes six, which we know <laughs> happens in there. Yeah. Um, they have been with us since January and we are um, on the track for adoption. Um, wow. We're always wanting to pray for reunification, but sadly in this case, reunification wasn't going to be in the works for safety for him. Um, and he's just an amazing young man. Um, not only is he amazing, he is often like a weed. So if the listeners would pray for my food budget, <laughs> he grew two inches in three months um, wow. and has grown a half inch since then. So we've bought new clothes, new shoes, and is constantly eating. He's super active. He's a very talented young man loves to draw very talented it's well it's the roller coaster there's days that are really well there's days and you feel like it's typical just normal family typical family and then there's days where like this is a challenge we are all hurting today and then there's just moments this morning there was a moment about the amount of snack he got in his lunch box i'm like we get the same amount of snacks it's the same list of snacks every week you get to choose three for lunch and four after school like he wanted to take a whole box of cookies and I'm like that's not gonna happen and then it was the complete flailing of the body you always say no and which I have to realize is not me it's not this something's going on he'll release it and tell us later and then it happens so it's going really well um we've uh had uh, previously short-term placements of teens and so we kind of focused on that for a short season because uh, we thought we weren't going to have a longer term adoption placement because we were open as an adoptive file as well for a while. And so when he came to us, we that filled our, our capacity for a house right now. And so we're focusing on him and growing our family um, and then being a respite to other families as well. Oh, I love that. So uh, as a mom of two, uh, two teen boys, myself adopted and and um, they're both diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, which is very prevalent among children in foster care as well. Um, and I talk about that a lot on this on this podcast for that reason. So in your in your training to become a foster parent, was was there any education about FASD? Um, have have you experienced any of that in even in your own personal life, yourself having been in the system or when, with any of the kids coming into your care? Yeah, it's definitely something that is growing. And I'm so grateful for people like you who are raising that awareness and giving that information out because I think you've been the one who shared with the statistic with me that is more prevalent than autism, but we don't have the resources and awareness in our country. And we need that to make a big difference. Yes. Um, I first came into knowledge of FSAD when I started my role at Focus, when we were producing a booklet um, I'm raising children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, and it's a free resource we provide. So learning about it at that space and moving into it. And then short while after there, I was at a conference and they were talking about it and covering it. And I was talking with the speaker afterwards. They're sharing about their family's experience. And she started listening through some of the other symptoms with it. And there was one particular one that I went, that's, that's a little interesting. It hits a little close to home. Okay. So I went started reading into it. So I have a neurological condition um, called Chiari malformation, and it's where uh, the lower base of my skull does not form enough to really hold my brain up. So part of my brain descends into my spinal cavity. And as this aspect of that, one of the primary causes, causes of that is alcohol and malnutrition in the birth mom. 
Um, and that was a reality. I knew my mom was an alcoholic. And so it came together of, oh, this isn't truly classified in FSDs, but it's an effect of it. I now have this connection I didn't realize into it. And so that came into my world of that for a long time, didn't make the connection, make sense of why these things happen for me, but I'm not fully classified over there. So I don't struggle as much with FSAD things. I have um, symptoms and because of my Chiari with that. But then as we started our licensing and what I had my training before, um, I'm very appreciative that they're bringing up um, FSADs in the training and sharing that. Um, our agency was part of the national NTDC program that was being piloted and is going to be bringing to more agencies across the country. And they did talk about it. It was a small section and I hope more people get to share it bigger. Um, and that's what we're trying to do at Focus. We're going to be working with you more and sharing more about that, especially in September as that awareness month is coming up. It's just such an impact, not only on the child as a child, because we know that part of those traumas can be renewed in their brain and transformed. But the trauma training that we know of doesn't, I don't want to throw, a traditional trauma training that's very prevalent in our world does not work with children with FS. They don't process it the same way with that new healing. So we have to find, it's understanding to be trauma-informed, but then we have to be FSAD trauma-informed to take it further. Um, so we're really wanting to lean into that and learn that more. Yeah, I love that because I, I know my husband and I got the trauma training after all of our kids came home um, and we're applying those things, you know, the empowering and connecting and then correcting and, and, and those things do work, but you reach a point to where you realize there's something else here that's going on. And even all these things that we're doing, there's still something else, right? So then when we took a deep dive into really studying uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, because both of our teenage boys are diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, and beginning to understand the impacts that that has on the brain and all the symptoms and, and all of that, it was like, wow. And, and it is, it's one in 20, um, FASD affects one in 20 um, children in the United States, not just kids in foster care, um, but one in 20 children, whereas I believe with, with um, autism, it's one in 59. So it's, it's definitely much more prevalent, but it's much less diagnosed and much less understood. And, and that is something I'm, I'm passionate about being an advocate to bring that education and that awareness because it's, um, it's, it's so prevalent and, and foster and adoptive parents, especially, and professionals in this, in this space need to understand it. And, and we're working really hard to try to bring that awareness. So thank you. Thank you for chatting with me about that. Now, having been uh, uh, in foster care, Helen, has your lived experience helped equip you as a foster parent? 1000%. <laughs> I, I mean, I knew it to a certain degree, um, for better or for worse because there's times where I get triggered and I remember, Hey, I remember doing this and now I'm kind of mad at my younger self about that because that was completely unfounded. I have to catch myself, but then there's a lot of times. And we just had a conversation about this recently with our son of something was going on and I could sit down with him eye to eye and listen, but I completely understand about this. Let me share my experience and what I remember. And we walked through that. And it was very quiet of like, kind of whatever at the time, a few minutes later came back and like kind of crawled into my lap of thanks. 
thanks. And they say thanks, but he's like, I like that you know what it feels like. And I'm sorry that you had to feel that. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm really sorry you feel that now. Let's, we don't want that to stay. What can we do to change that and retheme it that you don't have to do it that way again or think that way or feel that way? And so we talk about what is true and what is what is right and what is happening because there's lies that are getting spoken to us and everything is an extreme of um, no one's ever been there. They're going to push me away. And so we go back and say, okay, today, what did we do today? Well, we did this, this, and this, where dad and I are part of that. Yes. Okay. Yesterday, a month ago, when you first came, what are we planning to do tomorrow? And just repeating where we're consistently there uh, to dispel that. And that comes from, for me, an extra layer of being able to build that trust because I'm able to be in that. Um, and honestly, there was a time too, my husband and I, we were having a really rough day. We were on a walk, my son was playing and my husband was really kind of struggling with stuff and worried about the future of with a concern. And he was expressing an emotion. Um, and to me, I internalized it almost of rejecting me. And I said, I looked at him, I'm like, I need to walk ahead a few steps. And so for about a Half a lap, I walked ahead, I pulled back and I went, I have to tell you right now, when you said that, I felt rejected. And so if I felt that way, I know he is going to feel that way. What were you trying to say? And so he said it. And then we walked a few minutes and he said, hearing you say it makes me understand this a different way. I need to really be careful and aware of that. And now that takes some of the fear away. And I'm not sure how it did work in his life, but it did. Um, and he settled it and we were able to work past it. So there's always things that we're trying to learn and grow in that, but it is a very unique blessing. It makes me think of Joseph and what was meant for evil could be used for good. And that's really what we're trying to move forward, um, and use that for. Mm, I love that, you know, your lived experience, because it is, I know, like in your husband's shoes, um, you know, for, for me as a, as a, as an adoptive parent, I'm always, I've come to learn that number one, I need to self-regulate because if I'm not regulated in a situation, it's going to make it worse. And my, my, my son or sons will spiral out. Um, but also to always be anticipating and, 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 and to be mindful of the words that come out of my mouth, because thinking about how this will make them feel, you know, or, or they're going to perceive this this way. So there's just I'm careful about what I what I bring up, even in just casual conversation. If I bring if I bring up a, something, say with another family member who I know I have, I have one son who is challenged by some of my older biological children, you know, because adult kids don't understand my adult kids don't necessarily understand trauma or FASD. So I have a son who who struggles with feeling like they don't like him. Right. So I'm careful to not to, to to just be careful to not like always talk about my adult children. Right. I'm just I just really kind of filter things through wanting to make sure that he's not feeling like I'm caring about somebody else more than him or I favor somebody because I don't. But he can perceive it that way very easily. So so being mindful of my words and being um 
always self-regulating, you know, because I, I have one of my other sons who um, stresses out over things that aren't even like for him to stress out over. So if I act stressed about something, it's just it just escalates and I don't want that to happen. So um, so, yeah, we learn as we go for sure. Um, and I'm sure that your perspective just, you know, contributes greatly to um, all of the relationships there. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so as let's see, where am I? I want to make sure I catch all of the things. Uh, yes, as an adoptive mom and kinship caregiver, because I've been on this journey for quite a few years. Um, and I talk with other second mothers, I call them all the time. And we struggle on this journey, parenting kids from hard places, kids who've experienced trauma, kids who've uh, been prenatally exposed, all those things. And the journey is hard. And we worry about the future of our kids, what their future will be like. Um, and your story gives me so much hope because you're walking with the Lord, you're successful, you're giving back, you're doing all of these amazing things. So I know you came to the Lord when, when you were when you were young, but you know, what made that difference for you? I honestly I would say the Lord because it doesn't make sense. And where it doesn't make sense that we know that God is at work because there has to be a purpose and things going on for it. And it's for his glory to be shown and for him to be revealed in it. Um, I've met several people in my life throughout my journey who've had similar stories and not ended up where it up. Um, so I have to trust that he's been at work and that there's a plan and a purpose for it. I have not always been successful. I have always not always been well. Um, even with coming to know the Lord, I have, I've struggled at different times with choices, with mental health, um, and making sure I'm getting past a lot of those traumas and rewiring interpersonal relationship uh, paths and how I approach things. Um, I was just in a conversation yesterday with someone uh, and we were talking about challenges and just kind of what you shared with your son and the biological family and that aspect. And I shared that I have to be very careful and make sure I try to be intentional about not assigning motive and feelings to people that may not be there and not creating my own narrative by their communication style. I prefer efficient communication and being upfront. Not everyone is that way. My husband is a very internalized, quiet man, but he makes little small sounds and he doesn't realize it. I, he now realizes it now because I say them, you're growing, what's going on? And I will pester until I get the answer and then it comes out. I don't always pester, I'm getting better, <laughs> but learning that. And so I'm always growing in that. So I would say just, you know, coming off of your question there and for yourself and for other parents, um, on a pedestal, I'm not there, have hope. There's gonna be a struggle. There's always gonna be a struggle of something. They're gonna be a roller coaster. There's gonna be chances. Keep praying. Keep modeling that behavior too. I was thinking about your son and just how, as I'm working through, I'm very vocal and try to share about my professional career and our personal career and our family dynamics. We try to mirror those out loud to our son um, to show these are the struggles, and he even catches us, and then we can talk about that and grow from it and learn, um, and just model that behavior to come and hoping that he has that growing forward. But honestly, the foundation is going to be the Lord praying. We know that these parents need to be prayer warriors, um, really just giving grace to your child and giving grace to yourself in that space because, yeah, you, you want that. Don't put the pressure on yourself. Um, 
and just keep looking for opportunities to grow in that. Cause that's really what was for me. I think the Lord, the people around me who really stepped into my life and made a difference. It wasn't a traditional path. I didn't have parental figures, but I had community that came in and I started kind of identifying, not projecting that on them, tried that, didn't that work, but finding people where I could watch and learn, Hey, I should be doing that. And then asking, how can I get better in this? And what do I need to learn to go beyond that? Mm, such good, good advice. And I love that you're in the environment of your job at Focus on the Family. So let's talk about that for a moment. Um, the Wait No More uh, program, the foster care program. Um, what is that all about for our listeners who might not know? And what resources do you offer? Yes. So Wait No More is our foster care and adoption program at Focus on the Family. Um, as you mentioned, we do have a very strong, fun social media presence. So my colleagues, Tony and Natalie and I have a lot of um, sharing advocacy and awareness about different topics and embracing the trends that are going on in social media. But we do do so much more. Uh, traditionally, Wait No More started in 2008 as an event program, uh, first here in Colorado and then spreading across the country where they would host events, raising wild awareness of the that number stay consistent, over 100,000 children in foster are legally available for adoption. Um, and then several years ago, they finally kind of positioned, transitioned their position, get those words together, of growing a larger scape of talking about foster care, adoption from foster care still, and then support. And so with that has become the emergence of our benevolent resource program, where we provide booklets and books for free organizations and individuals. Uh, we also provide lots of content, our social media, we have articles and videos on Focus on the Family as well as our Wait No More website. And then an exciting new program that I'm now able to share that we didn't talk about before is our suitcase program. So through amazing generous donors, we're able to provide a brand new suitcase, Bible and stuffed animal to a child in foster care. Oh, I love Actually, that. We provided, uh, 2,300 bundles in the states of Florida, Kentucky, that is moving nationally. We're just on that. They're building it out right now. Um, and we're, I just placed a couple hundred more in different states in the last months. And so um, look for that. That's going to be a growing way, just an easy way for people to make such a small difference, a big difference in a small way for them of providing dignity and hope to a child in care, whether they're two or 17, having that bag and having something of their own is so impactful. When I was in care, I distinctly remember going to a home and giving a black trash bag and having to fill it. And when our son arrived in our home, um, there was one duffel bag, three uh, cases from like a Costco Sam's Club thing that had fruit in them with even with the smell and the stains in them, and then a trash bag. I'm like, no one deserves that. No one should have that for how much we can do and provide for them. So it's an exciting new program. And then we have a couple new other things coming on the horizon. So for that, it's all with our hope to educate, empower, and equip families and individuals around foster care, adoption, and support. Well, I love that because that's what we're all about too. So this is great. I love hearing what you're doing. And yeah, the trash bag thing is so common uh, and suitcases are needed. Duffel bag suitcases um, definitely are something that would really give give kids in care dignity um, so that they're putting their things in those items. And I love I love the idea of putting in a Bible and a, and a, and a stuffed animal. Wonderful. Um, so I like I said, we both mentioned Wait No More has a significant social media presence. How else can our listeners find out about what you're doing? I'm sure you guys have a website. Yes, it is wait 
www.whitenomore.org. That is W-A-I-T, like children and families should not have to wait any longer for the help and support that they need. WaitNoMore.org. And we will make sure we put uh, the in the show notes a link to WaitNoMore.org so our listeners can find out more um, and go check it out. Uh, Helen, I opened the show with a verse that you chose, which was Joel 2.25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Um, what does Joel 2.25 mean to you? That verse has been, honestly, I think kind of a life verse for me. Um, I've been for a number of years and was on a trip with some friends and ministry leaders. And one of our, my colleagues, our friend came out of where they were and said, Hey, do you have a second? And him and his wife sat me down and said, we just keep getting this verse, both of us individually, and then together over and over again. And then finally the Lord revealed, we needed to say it to you. And we didn't really know each other that well at the time. And they said, so does this mean anything to you? And they shared it with me. And again, I was still learning the Bible and learning about God and what he had done and who he had spoken to. So when it came, it washed over me of just this hope and future and purpose that I did not know was possible. I knew about being renewed and transformed in Christ, but I was really still struggling to let go of who I was and let go of the effects of what had happened to me before. Um, and to have hope with that, because there's one of, I'm new, but I'm going to keep strugg- strugg- struggling forward. And to have an idea that not only are you new and you're saved, but he's going to restore what was taken from you. Mm. So I really just passed on to that and kept holding it in my heart and holding it to my heart. And there was times it was really easy to do and times it was really hard. And I struggled to believe that promise. But today where I'm at, I'm just so confident. And it it isn't also just in where I have blessings of having an amazing husband and his family who have just taken me in and to have the child and then the spiritual children we have in our life too that aren't, but they're for um, other people that are part of our family extended that speak in us that are older too, Um, just the family that we have and the job that I get to do because there's always struggles in that. But I just am at a place where I have been able to have peace and just contentment and rest in that promise, because all of that could go away at any moment. But what will stay consistent is God's love for me. Hmm. And it was, it's been displayed through those actions. But even in the hard times, it will still be true and he'll be there. Yeah, he truly redeems, right? Yeah, love that. So as we wrap up, Helen, As a former foster youth, now foster parent, what words of encouragement would you offer to our listeners who are primarily adoptive and foster parents? And we talked about this before when when we had met and there's some things I thought of and some things that have come into my heart since then too, of especially with this month being May, National Foster Care Month and Mother's Day and approaching Father's Day and then end of school years, you know, finishing well and transitions there's a lot of stuff going on. And so the first thing I would love to share is we see you. God sees you. You've got this. you got this. From a perspective being a former foster youth, what you're doing matters. It may not seem like it. And there's going to be days that we try you and you regret, you regret that you question that you are 
wanting to hide in the bathroom and the little fingers are still coming under the door or the big fingers because that sometimes happens too. Or you're in a car driving around the same block five times, been there, done that. But it matters and it's going to make a big difference. There's gonna be times where things that happen that make no sense come back later and say, remember when you did that? That made a really big difference. And it was those times in my life that I can't remember all the words that were spoken to me, but I can remember the faces and the actions of things that were done that were positive. And it truly does matter. And not even also just in that tangible life of how they're growing up, but it matters for eternity and it matters for God. You're walking the space of what God has called you to in this journey. He sees you in it. He's, a, he's going to equip you. He's going to strengthen you. And he's going to acknowledge that you have done well and that it's made a difference. Hall, thank you so much, Helen, for sharing those encouraging words. Uh, And thank you so much for sharing your story so transparently today and for all that you're doing, uh, not only fostering, but your work through um, Wait No More, all that you're doing to help support foster and adoptive families. I know I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners will be inspired. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Sandra. It was a blessing to be here. Oh, wow. What an incredible story. Helen is such an amazing woman and um, has come so far on her journey. And I'm sure that you were inspired by uh, her story and her words. And I I do hope that the audio sounded okay for you. Um, And I do apologize if it wasn't up to par. I I had to... um, bring all of my podcast recording equipment home so I could do episodes from home um, so I could be here with um, my son and not have to just run into the office just to record. So I thought I was brilliant in solving a problem that I was having. Only I discovered that here um, and that slam of a door was my son going outside, um, just keeping it real, right? Thought I solved a problem. And then I realized that uh, my internet at home isn't the amazing fiber optic internet that is at our office in town. So sometimes things are a little wonky. So I may have to go back to just going to the office to record. Um, So just bear with us. But I'm, I'm sure Um, You got to hear Helen's amazing story, but if it wasn't perfect audio, um, that's really my bad and I do apologize for it. Um, But you guys know we have to pivot, we have to make accommodations and um, we're just at a season homeschooling Slava, who I often talk about. um, And even though he's a teenager, we don't leave him home alone. uh, And I'm just running into challenges with being able to get out at certain times to record uh, this show for you. So I'm trying to do it from home and I'm not sure. Uh, In fact, I can't even send the files to my producer unless I actually take the laptop when we're done and I go to town to pick up the fiber optic internet um, at our office to just send the files. So, you know, nothing's really easy, but we'll, we'll, we'll make do. So thank you for, um, you know, just sticking with us today. I'm grateful that you listened. I know Helen's story is amazing. And, and I know she and her, uh, the team there at Wait No More, um, at Focus on the Family are doing amazing work supporting, um, uh, those who are in uh, on the foster care journey and the adoption journey and as all 
as well as um, advocating for families to get involved in foster care and adoption. So we're grateful for all that they are doing. I hope you found encouragement by listening today. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. I will make sure that we have a link to Wait No More um, in the show notes. And I do also want to let you know about our FASD 101 training that I'm currently offering online or in person. I have created a three-hour training about FASD for parents and professionals, kind of going over the impacts on the brain, uh, the impacts and the the. the of the um, symptoms that we can see and um, just how we can navigate um, FASD by focusing on our children's strengths and by making accommodations and what that could possibly look like and just all of the things. So it's a great, um, you know, whether your child has been diagnosed or not, or even if you suspect it and can't get a diagnosis, because that's very common, um, our FASD 101 training is really helpful. So um, I'm it's soon you'll be able to actually register for the training on our website, which I mentioned at the top of the show is in the process of being updated. Um, so maybe by the time that you actually are listening, maybe we'll have our have it already up there. But um, if you want to make sure that you get the training, you can email me at Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com. You can also take a peek on our website, justicefororphansny.org to see if it's under our resources. If it's not, or if you can't figure it out, you can also contact me through the website. It'll it'll shoot an email to, to my email address and I'll be able to respond to you personally so we can work out whether you want to put together a training that will benefit your support group or your foster or adoptive parent group. Um, maybe it's your foster parent training or your continuing education or um, whatever it is that if you want this training, um, we can do it for a group, we can do it online, we can do it um, in person. So you can contact me about that. Also have something, and I'm super excited about this, something very special brewing up beginning in September, which of course is FASD Awareness Month. I'm collaborating with another adoptive mom uh, that you may very well know who she is, but we're not like letting the cat out of the bag yet, as they say. Um, But we're going to be collaborating on a support group that we're going to be doing, a, a monthly support group type call for us parents on this journey, parenting children with an FASD, um, but also some a community that of resources that we're going to have available. Um, and we're just we're in the planning stages, and that's part of the reason why the website is being updated so that we're able to really um, facilitate these things from the website. Um, so stay tuned because as the summer unfolds, I'm going to be dropping more information about it, pointing you to the website, letting you know where you can find everything. Um, but we really, really want to serve you with excellence on this journey. We want to be community for you. We want to be a support for you. I personally know how hard this journey is and it's so important that we be there for each other and that's what we're going to do. So stay tuned for information about that. Don't forget the name change of this podcast in just a couple of weeks. Orphans No More will become the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast as of June 1st. So again, you won't have to do anything. If you've already subscribed, it'll just show up by the new name. If you haven't subscribed yet, 
please go ahead and do that and you'll see the name change when it happens. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Uh, sub subscribing and leaving a review is a perfect way to do that. Um, and let your fellow foster and adoptive friends know about the show as well so that they can be encouraged too. Another resource that I have is my book. Um, it, it depicts my family's adoption journey. We adopted one child through kinship and we also adopted four siblings from Ukraine. The name of the book is Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available pretty much wherever you buy books. If you grab it on Amazon, you can get a paperback or the Kindle version. Please go on in there and leave a review after you read it. I would greatly appreciate that. If you would like a signed copy by yours truly, and I include a special gift bookmark and I mail it out to you myself, you can get a signed copy at my website, sandraflack.com. There you can also learn more about me, read my blog, and contact me for speaking opportunities. And I'd also, before we go, like to give a shout out to our Care Portal County sponsors, these businesses who really care about children and families in crisis, and they help us at JFO do what we do for children and families. So just a big thank you to Tri-Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Cooksakie. Be sure to find Justice for Orphans on both Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And you can follow me, Sandra Flack, on both Facebook and Instagram as well. I am so grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.